0: Big news for big data. We're talking the latest version of .NET for Apache Spark on On.NET. See you there. Hello, and welcome to another big episode of On.NET. And by big, I mean big data. My name is Jeremy Lickness. I'm a program manager for .NET Data at Microsoft. And today I have with me Michael, who is a program manager in Azure Data, and we actually work together on .NET for Spark. Welcome Michael. Thanks Jeremy, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's awesome. So we've got a new version of .NET for Apache Spark out, version 1.1.1, but before we jump into that, we want to talk about What is .NET for Apache Spark? Why would someone watching this even care? Yeah, so
1: the .NET uh, for Apache Spark project's main goal is to bring basically .NET capabilities to a commonly used big data platform. If you're looking at the big data platforms out there like Hive, like Spark, uh, most of these platforms are not very friendly to the standard .NET developer. So by adding .NET bindings and .NET user-defined function capabilities to Spark, it gives the .NET developer the ability to tap into the Spark ecosystem, do big data processing, use his own or her own .NET code and scale it out over large amounts of data using Spark.
0: So this... Project is relatively new in in the scheme of technology, right? I guess it's a little bit longer tail. But what has the journey been so far with with a with .Net for Apache Spark? So we started um, about
1: one and a half uh, years ago with the project. Announced it um, back in uh, the uh, DataBricks Summit, um, I think was. Uh, Two years ago or so and um, since then we have worked on it last fall we released version 1.0 um it's an open source project so let me just maybe switch to my prepared slides that i have to kind of make sure that i don't forget all the details sure. so sure. .NET for apache spark is part of an open source project uh it is done under the umbrella of the dotnet foundation so there is um, a GitHub uh, site that everybody can uh, go and join and, uh, and follow and contribute if you want to. Um, we do frequent releases. Um, as we mentioned earlier, current release is 1.1.1. We release about every six weeks. So new releases are coming out um, as, as we go along. Um, it is designed to integrate with the open-source Apache Spark project. Uh, we are using, underneath the cover, similar uh, extension points that Python is using as well. And we can talk about some of the internals maybe later uh, to go into more details. Um, it also integrates with the .NET interactive experience. So um, later when we talk about demos, uh, you will see me use uh, the Synapse um, Notebook, Azure Notebook experience that uses uh, .NET Interactive. Um, It is also um, kind of tracked by two Spark project uh, improvement proposals uh, that if there is enough interest on the Spark community side, we could also move it out of the .NET Foundation and directly into the main Spark project if that is uh, wished so by the Spark community. Right now, they are happy um, to like use us as an example of how to do major extensions to Spark outside of uh, the core Spark uh, branch. But that doesn't mean that we are not like deeply integrating. So you can see here a list of uh, Jira's that we have contributed uh, back to the Apache Spark core um, contribution uh, part uh, to Apache Arrow, which we are using uh, for uh, object civilization between the two runtimes. PyroLite, which is another way of doing um, object civilization between runtimes um, so so we have done a lot of like uh, contributions back to the community and we're also getting uh, members of the community contributing to the project as well
0: so that's exciting it's something that I love about Microsoft is the the commitment to open source that has has been a change right over the past few years I also work with the in any framework core team and they do everything in the open as well. So I guess as a .NET developer looking at this for the first time, what are some of the reasons I would use it? Do you have any examples you can share of what it looks like to to use .NET for Apache Spark?
1: Uh, Sure, yeah. So, I mean, obviously um, the experience is coming from a data processing and data analysis point of view where you would be interested in using something like Spark to analyze uh, your larger amounts of data sets that you might have inside a data lake, like Azure Data Lake uh, Storage uh, or so. Uh, and so I can show you an example by uh, showing it being used in the context of Azure Synapse. Uh, we also have it uh, where it ships out of the box. It also ships out of the box in uh, Azure HD Insight uh, we do have documentation available on our GitHub site to show you how to integrate it also with, let's say, um, uh, Google GCP, uh, Spark uh, instantiation, Amazon EMR, and also Databricks. Though so Databricks, uh, we can talk about that maybe a little bit later, um, okay. often has its own internal implementation. So they are not using the open source uh, code base. So, so there is often... Um, a need to, like, uh, do some extra um, adjustments, so to speak, to make it work. So, yeah, let me show you maybe quickly how that looks like. So, here I have a notebook. Uh, This is um, Synapse Analytics that you see up here. Um, And what I would like to show you are two things. Uh, Basically, first, I want to show you um, the kind of like intelligence uh, experience that we have in integrating it with uh, the .NET interactive experience and notebooks. And then um, I also have a short demo that kind of shows both a little bit what you would do with Spark to do data processing, like basically cooking data to be analyzed to get some interesting information out of it. And um, then, um, and also use some, C-Sharp code to scale it out over large amounts of data to apply it um, to like help you with the analysis of the data. So the first thing that I just want to show you here is, is basically the simple notebook. So you see here notebooks have like these interactive cells. You can type in things like, for example, um, um, .NET code. So I say var.df and you already see that I'm getting like IntelliSense here. So I start with a Spark. Context. I say create data frame. Then I say, um, I, uh, I think it's enumerable of range. Uh, pardon my. Uh, oh, it's enumerable range, I think.
0: Uh, Thank goodness really, for IntelliSense, right? <laughs> thanks, God, for that's
1: really helpful. So now I basically am creating here a Spark data frame that contains a, a, a piece of numbers. Um, I run this um, now. In this case, I already pre-primed the, uh, the notebook to actually have the Spark pool that it's submitting against uh, pre-primed. So now what this is doing actually, it is executing this statement on the Spark infrastructure that runs uh, behind this notebook, and now. You see it's that command executed, but it doesn't show me a result. And that's because um, a data frame expression like this creates um, basically an execution tree. Uh, so it doesn't actually execute the innumerable of range yet. It will do that once I apply an action to that uh, data frame object, which is called DF here. So what I do here is now I add a new code cell. And I type in df, and as you notice here now the IntelliSense has noticed that this is obviously a data frame. So it gives me, um, again, IntelliSense to show me the um, options that I have. So I just say uh, df.show, for example, uh, run this cell. Now this is actually showing me the result. And by um, screen scroll down here. Um, let me maybe scroll up a little bit so I can zoom in. So just to show the zoom in here. So df.show gives me the result, and now it's basically executing this uh, in my Spark cluster. Now, this is obviously a very simple example, not doing a lot of uh, big data processing. So maybe let's switch over to the other demo. And Now, this demo here um, just shows uh, one of the few um, new capabilities that uh, the version 1.1 actually brings. One of them is, that we are now um, supporting uh, Spark 3.0. So if you look at this here, you see this is attached to what I call a Spark 3 pool, which is just a Spark pool that is now running Spark 3 instead of 2.4 in the background uh, to execute the Spark uh, processing. Now, this is again a notebook here. Um, The cell that I'm using here is basically um, checking the assembly information. And I executed that just uh, before we started the recording today. And you see here that the version that we are using is.NET for Spark uh, version 1.1.1. Now I can do some more interesting stuff, obviously, with it. So let's assume I have a bunch of files that contain tweet information. And I want to analyze what the tweets are about, meaning who do I tweet at inside my tweets and what topics do I tweet about. So in order to extract that out of the tweet string, I'm defining here this um, .NET function. And you see here that the code, let me zoom in again, is basically a simple link expression here that does some tokenization of my string, and then um, the tokenization then selects basically characters with a certain or string uh, parts with a certain prefix. So I have an extract mentions that extracts uh, out of the tweets, all the words that start with an at sign and extract topics that do the same with the hash sign. Now, one thing I do here is um, that I register this user-defined function written in .NET as a Spark user-defined function using this UDF um, uh, registration method. Now, what that does is is now I can use extract mentions and extract topics as user-defined functions inside my Spark expressions, which means that Spark will be using this .NET code and apply it scaled out over as many workers as it needs to process the amount of data that I'm giving it. So down here, as an example, my next cell here is now going against uh, some data inside my data lake. Uh, you will notice that it is a star.csv, which means it's a bunch of CSV files. So it could be hundreds or thousands. And then I um, use my standard Spark methods like read, schema, format, load. Using obviously .NET um, kind of capitalization rules uh, to create a tweets uh, dataset, and then I visualize the tweets dataset just to kind of uh, see. I do some uh, distinct elimination, so you see here that I have 21,000 uh, number of distinct uh, tweets, and I had removed 185 of them. So now I can process these tweets. So I extract the mention and topics out of the tweet using this extract mention and extract topics uh, functions that I have uh, registered earlier. So you see here, I do a tweet select. And as part of the uh, projection, I apply these mentions and topics as a transformation inside. um, So I basically now get some arrays back. And if I look at the result here, let me scroll down. Uh, You will now see um, that I basically got a few mentions and a few topics for some of the tweets. And um, obviously, like the notebook only shows me a few of those. Now, one of the capabilities that is new in Spark 3.0 is, is for example, that I can um, also get information about the schema. So this data frame expression, mentions and topics, now I can just apply a print schema to it with a level, and then it shows me that the result is a date, time, author, and the two arrays that I created, dimensions and topics arrays. I can also look at the uh, plan that gets created. So Spark data frame expressions, even though they look like C-sharp and are in C-sharp code, they are actually translated into an execution tree in the back of the Execution that then gets passed to the Spark engine. So it's like a little bit like translating SQL queries. So there are plans being created so that uh, an optimizer can go and uh, decide to more better optimize the plan. And now with the .explain function, I can take a look at the plan and identify um, what actually gets executed on the back. So you see here, like there's an optimized logical plan which is what happens in the first step. So first you get a logical plan, which is basically uh, the logical description of what the transformations do. Then um, as part of that, I ask to add cost information. So it tells me how big the um, um, data sizes are that I can expect based on statistics. And then it shows me what the actual physical plan is that gets executed. Now you notice here that it says Python UDF. which is uh, instead of .NET UDF. That's because we hook into the same extensibility points that Spark provides for Python uh, to uh, execute our .NET. And so, and we obviously didn't go and change the names of, of these APIs. So they are still called Python UDF, but it's basically calling into our .NET code. And then I can do further things like here, for example, I also have the ability to go and say um, tail, which is a new uh, capability. Tail is something that actually gives me back an innumerable of row. And so that gets the result from the execution, brings it back into my .NET context uh, in an innumerable format so I can apply link or uh, in this case to list for each to like uh, do further processing within my own main memory part of the program and not
0: scaled out. So I think that's a lot of demo. Um, I hope it was well, that was great. I mean, a few things I love .NET Interactive. It's a, a great way to get started, kick the tires, figure things out. So I love that not only is it available there in the Synapse Notebooks, but with the IntelliSense. You also mentioned that this isn't a custom version of Apache Spark. It's an extension sitting on it the same way as, as Python. Uh, I'm assuming .NET developers, when they're looking at this, wonder if this is kind of an add-on to Spark. What is the performance story like? Is there a performance impact? How well does it perform as a, a language service, sort of extending that core model? Yeah,
1: this is a very good question, and again, uh, maybe let me uh, show you some slide to kind of give you some visualization of it. Um, at the high level, what I want to show here is is that actually .NET um, for Spark is using the existing um, Apache Spark framework for execution, which means that uh, depending on whether you use a user-defined function or not, you actually will uh, potentially just execute your Spark program on the Scala backend, uh, so to speak. So let's assume we have a .NET program or a notebook as we've seen earlier that contains like data frame expressions and Spark SQL expressions. And I go and uh, now create uh, my .NET for Spark um, um, program. So I've written it in in .NET. Now, all these data frame and Spark SQL expressions, as I mentioned earlier, they are kind of translated into this Spark operation tree uh, that we saw earlier as like logical uh, tree um, uh, at first. Now, this operation tree is then being taken by an engine that is written um, in the open source world, at least in Scala, and it's being executed. So that means now if I'm not using a user-defined function, then it just is executed as Apache Spark um, normal. Um, So there is no .NET runtime uh, actually involved during the execution on the worker nodes. The only thing where the .NET runtime comes in is is in generating that operation tree. So the speed is about the same as Scala Spark for such operations, and we'll have some, um, I can show some uh, benchmarking that we've done using TPCH, uh, industry benchmark for uh, data processing. Uh, However, if you're using .NET user-defined function, then there is an interrupt between the Spark core execution, which is still using basically Scala, and .NET um, using these extension points that I mentioned. Now, one thing that we did was we did a lot of work to make sure that the performance of our .NET user-defined functions is um, at least as good and often faster than what you would get if you would use PySpark. So that if people that come from a .NET background and want to use the .NET functions, they don't have a reason to not use it uh, because most of the people that use Spark today are often using PySpark. So there's no performance uh, degradation uh, compared to PySpark. Now, of course, there is an interop. So let's take a look at what actually happens during that interop. Um, so if I have a program that comes with a UDF, I do have my Spark executioner um, that basically does my projections and filters uh, that are part of the core Spark language. And when when it sees a user-defined function, it will launch a worker executable that then will be working inside the CLR that is also now deployed to the Spark worker node. Now, it will be serializing the UDFs and the data that it needs to uh, pass over into the .NET. It will be executing the .NET and it will write the serialized results back. So now the question is, is how actually do we serialize uh, the data between the JVM and the CLR? Like how, because obviously that is uh, going to be uh, heavily impacting the performance. So there are two options that we offer. One is uh, row oriented. That means if most of the data that you're processing um, has to be processed on the um, CLR side, for example, and you can't really take advantage of um, column level co- compression, then you go with the row oriented approach, which is also the default. Um, and you have the option to use Apache Arrow APIs. And then, and we actually made a lot of work to make that a s- more simple experience. Um, and then you can get column oriented uh, compression as well, which gives you additional potential performance benefits by having more compressed and less data. Uh, transferring between the two uh, runtimes. So here are some examples um, using this, um, H, um, this TPC age benchmark. And um, maybe I'm not going to go into too much detail here, but uh, the, the big takeaways are if UDF performance does not matter because there are no UDFs or because uh, the UDFs only are like operating on a small amount of data, then .NET is on par with Python and even on on par with with Scala in many cases. In those cases where UDF performance is critical, we are actually um, up to two times faster than Python, um, and we are, but we are slower than if we would be uh, executing in the Scala context. And that's obviously because of that additional level of interrupt that needs to be done. Um, We also have, like, uh, some comparison here between pickling and arrow. Um, So, depending on the um, type of data that you're processing, um, you can see TPC-H uh, query 1 did benefit a lot from the arrow uh, compression um, because because it operates on a, like, highly compressible column that we are passing through while TPC-H query 8 uh, the difference is, is much less pronounced because they are the uh, type of data that gets transferred is less uh, condu- uh, conducive to a uh, column store optimization. Um, so that kind of gives you a little bit of an insight into how this works with respect to uh, performance.
0: That's exciting. Uh, no performances, top of mind. And it sounds like we get sort of a best of all world scenario. I know that the APIs are the same APIs that the other languages use in Spark. So it makes it easy to take existing examples in other languages and port them over to C Sharp. But then once you're in C Sharp, you can use existing libraries and data like you were pointing out user defined functions. So if I have my custom algorithm that I've written I can plug that into that pipeline which is great.
1: Yeah, so for example if you uh, we have integrations with like some of the ML libraries and so on so if you want to apply uh, an ML lib scoring algorithm uh, ml.net scoring algorithm for example um, you can like uh, scale that out now using Apache Spark.
0: That's awesome. So ML.net Apache Spark together through .net for Apache Spark basically. That's- and I think great. we have previous videos that we can point you to if, you, if you're interested in, in learning more about that. That sounds great. And I know you've been sort of sprinkling in some of the new features throughout your demos and, and talking about like the arrow functionality, the tail, et cetera. Is there anything else you want to highlight for V1.1.1 before we wrap up?
1: Yeah, so um, I again, for uh, to chop my memory here, I have a quick slide that kind of goes a little bit more into details. So the version 1.1.1 focuses on supporting Apache Spark 2.3, 2.4, and 2.3, uh, and 3.0. Um, and we basically added uh, support for all the new Spark 3.0.2 APIs, like the explain print schema that I've shown, observe, the ability to write to um, and um, to have uh, basically tail and to local iterators. So there's quite a few uh, of new options. We also added um, one of the things that .NET for Apache Spark provides uh, since its inception is a extension mechanism to add support for extension libraries that are being added to Spark. So for example, we added support for Delta Lake version 0.8. We have uh, support for Hyperspace uh, 0.4, which is an indexing library that uh, we also uh, provide open source. Um, as I mentioned, we support Arrow 2.0 and uh, Group Map UDF in Spark 3.0.0. Um, we also added support for stopword removers, uh, Ngram functionality, uh, SQL Transformer ML feature um, got added, and we added the Skeletal. Source a skeletal support for file system extensions, which we will be extending over over time. Uh, If you want to have more details and examples, etc., I definitely recommend you to uh, go to our GitHub site and um, produce the release notes that we published there, uh, which contains more details on that. Now, maybe um, one thing that I want to point out is um, that we are Working already for on.NET for Apache Spark version 2.x. Um, it's actually coming very soon. It might already be out by the time this uh, video gets released. Uh, we are focusing there mainly on Apache Spark 2.4 and 3.x and new 3.1.x as well. So um, that means we are dropping support for 2.3 uh, in Apache Spark version 2. X, you can continue to use uh, version one if you need uh, 2.3 support, um, and of course the, that new version will be adding uh, 3.1 API support. The reason why we ref the number there is, is that there are some backwards compatibility uh, breaking changes um, in the implementation layer uh, between Spark 3.0 and Spark 3.1, uh, so that we basically decided that we use this as kind of a breaking point to uh, release a major new version uh, to kind of tell people that they have to at least recompile their code uh, if they want to go with version two. Um, we are also looking at uh, tooling support. So we already shown you the Azure Notebook IntelliSense. Uh, the first experience has shipped, and there are more updates to come out uh, to these uh, Synapse um, Notebooks um, over the summer uh, to like uh, give even more um um, kind of uh, integration and intelligence. Um, we're also looking at uh, VS code support uh, that includes support for synapse as well, um, and we are discussing uh, Visual Studio support to make the Visual Studio developer experience easier. Again, if you have like any specific feedback on that, uh, reach out to us. Um, we ha- also have other ideas besides tracking additional versions of Spark and adding those APIs. Uh, is that um, we had some people asking if we could provide a more idiomatic experience for c and f developers, like a uh, link-type provider, for example. Um, now, if that's something of interest, uh, one, it's an open-source project, so we are definitely welcoming people uh, to contribute to it, um, or also just to, like, express interest uh, so that we can um, take that up as part of our... Uh, planning of um, uh, investing uh, further into this uh, into the specific area, for example. Also, user-defined aggregators is something that we are currently not supporting. Um, so, if that's a scenario that is important, etc., again, reach out to us. Um, here's again the GitHub link that you can go and uh, check out.
0: That sounds great. It's uh, nice to have a one-stop shop to jump out and and provide feedback and. I know that our products are driven by our customers. We want people to use them to give us feedback, and your feedback's important. We've got a vehicle now for .NET developers to plug into .NET, to, to plug into .NET, to plug into big data, and uh, use this .NET for Apache Spark. And it only gets better when you use it and give us feedback. So that was a, a lot of information to unpack. Seems like a lot of great changes coming down the pipeline. Thank you so much for Thank joining you for us me. and and sharing that. And uh, for those of you out there, if you're interested in in big data and if you're using Apache Spark and you're in a .NET shop, take a look at .NET for Apache Spark.
1: Thanks, Jeremy, for having me. And uh, yes, uh, feel free, uh, go go and use it, try it out and let us know uh, what you think. And um, also if you feel that you like to contribute, uh, reach out to us and uh, start contributing as well. Thanks. Awesome, pull request
0: accepted.